Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we are in a bonus episode of The Silver King's War. It's October 1945, and The Silver King has completed his active duty service as a first lieutenant bombardier in the United States Army Air Corps. Stanley, our hero, is riding a train from Fort McPherson, Georgia, to his home in Birmingham, Alabama, to celebrate his first post-war days with his family after being away from home for much of the last three years. You know, as avid listeners and followers of our hero, the Silver King, that throughout the podcast series, I've worked hard to supply the context of the war to explain certain events that were going on during our hero's war to demonstrate the depth and expanse of what World War II has meant to our nation, America, to Europe, to Asia, and to the entire world as they appear upon the post-war years to see what's ahead. During the month that our hero returns home, the nation was reading about the beginning of what was known as the Nuremberg Trials. These trials were held for the purpose of bringing Nazi war criminals to justice. And the Nuremberg Trials were a series of 13 conducted in Nuremberg, Germany, between 1945 and 1949. The defendants, who included Nazi Party officials and high-ranking military officers, along with German industrialist lawyers and doctors, were indicted on such charges as crimes against peace and crimes against humanity. The Nazi leader Adolf Hitler committed suicide and was never brought to trial. Although the legal justifications for the trials and their procedural innovations were controversial at the time, the Nuremberg trials are now regarded as a milestone toward the establishment of a permanent international court and an important precedent for dealing with instances of genocide and other crimes against humanity. The story of the Nuremberg trials began shortly after Adolf Hitler came to power as the Chancellor of Germany in 1933. He and his Nazi government began implementing policies designed to persecute a German Jewish people and other perceived enemies of the Nazi state. Over the next decade, these policies grew increasingly repressive and violent and resulted by the end of World War II, which ran from 1939 to 45 in the systematic state-sponsored murder of 6 million European Jews and an estimated 4 to 6 million non-Jews. In December 1942, the Allied leaders of Great Britain, the United States, and 
the Soviet Union, issued the first joint declaration officially noting the mass murder of European Jewry and resolving to prosecute those responsible for violence against human civilian populations. As Soviet and British leaders pushed for summary executions without trial of high-ranking Nazis, American leaders persuaded them that a criminal trial would be more effective. Among the advantages, criminal proceedings would require documentation of the crimes charged against the defendants and prevent later accusations that the defendants had been condemned without evidence. There were legal and procedural problems to overcome in setting up the Nuremberg trials. First, there was no precedent for an international trial of war criminals. There were earlier examples of prosecution for war crimes, including the courts martial held by Turkey in 1919 and 20 to punish those responsible for the Armenian genocide of 1915 and 16. However, these were trials conducted according to the laws of a single nation, rather than, as in the case of the Nuremberg trials, a group of four powers, France, Britain, the Soviet Union, and the United States, with different legal traditions and practices. The Allies eventually established the laws and procedures for the Nuremberg trials with the London Charter of the International Military Tribunal, issued on August 8, 1945. Among other things, the Charter defined three categories of crimes. Crimes against peace, including planning, preparing, starting, or waging wars of aggression or wars in violation of international agreements. War crimes, including violations of customs or laws of war, including improper treatment of civilians and prisoners of war. And crimes against humanity, including murder, enslavement, or deportation of civilians, or persecution on political, religious, or racial grounds. It was determined that civilian officials, as well as military officers, could be accused of war crimes. The city of Nuremberg, also known as Nuremberg, in the German state of Bavaria, was selected as the location for the trials because its palace of justice was relatively undamaged by the war and included a large prison area. Additionally, Nuremberg had been the site of annual Nazi propaganda rallies. Holding the post-war trials there marked the symbolic end of Hitler's government, the Third Reich. The best known of the Nuremberg trials was the trial of major war criminals held from November 20th, 1945 to October 1st of 1946. The format of the trial was a mix of legal traditions. There were prosecutors and defense attorneys according to British and American law, but the decisions and sentences were imposed by a tribunal known as a panel of judges, rather than a single judge and a jury. The chief American prosecutor was Robert H. Jackson, who was an associate justice of the United States Supreme Court. Each of the four allied powers supplied two judges, 
a main judge, and an alternate. Twenty-four individuals were indicted, along with six Nazi organizations determined to be criminal, such as the Gestapo or secret state police. One of the indicted men was deemed medically unfit to stand trial, while a second man killed himself before the trial began. Hitler and two of his top associates, Heinrich Himmler and Joseph Goebbels, had each committed suicide in the spring of 1945 before their trials. The defendants were allowed to choose their own lawyers, and the most common defense strategy was that the crimes defined in the London Charter were examples of ex post facto law. That is, they were laws that criminalized actions committed before the laws were drafted. Another defense was that the trial was a form of victor's justice. The Allies were applying a harsh standard to crimes committed by Germans and leniency to crimes committed by their own soldiers. As the accused men and judges spoke four languages, the trial saw the introduction of a technological innovation that is standard today, instantaneous translation. IBM provided the technology and recruited men and women from international telephone exchanges to provide on-the-spot translations through headphones in English, French, German, and Russian. In the end, the International Tribunal found all but three of the defendants guilty. Twelve were sentenced to death, one in absentia, and the rest were given prison sentences ranging from ten years to life. Ten of the condemned were executed by hanging on October 16, 1946. Hermann Göring, Hitler's designated successor and head of the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, committed suicide the night before his execution with a cyanide capsule he had hidden in a jar of skin medication. Following the trial of major war criminals, there were 12 additional trials held at Nuremberg. These proceedings, lasting from December 1946 to April of 1949, are grouped as the subsequent Nuremberg proceedings. They differed from the first trial in that they were conducted before U.S. military tribunals rather than the international tribunal that decided the fate of the major Nazi leaders. The reason for the change was that the growing differences among the four Allied powers had made other joint trials impossible. The subsequent trials were held in the same location at the Palace of Justice in Nuremberg. These proceedings included the doctor's trial from December 9, 1946 to August 20th of 1947 in which 23 defendants were accused of crimes against humanity, including medical experiments on prisoners of war. In the judge's trial, from March 5th to December 4th of 1947, 16 lawyers and judges were charged with furthering the Nazi plan for racial purity by implementing the eugenics laws of the Third Reich. Other subsequent trials dealt with German industrialists accused of using slave labor and plundering occupied countries. High-ranking army officers accused of atrocities against prisoners of war. 
and SS officers accused of violence against concentration camp inmates. Of the 185 people indicted in the subsequent Nuremberg trials, 12 defendants received death sentences, eight others were given life in prison, and an additional 77 people received prison terms of various lengths. The Nuremberg trials were controversial, even among those who wanted the major criminals punished for what they did. Harlan Stone, the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court at the time, described the proceedings as a sanctimonious fraud and a high-grade lynching party. And William O. Douglas, then an associate U.S. Supreme Court justice, said the Allies had substituted power for principle at Nuremberg. Nonetheless, most observers considered the trials a step forward for the establishment of international law. The findings at Nuremberg led directly to the United Nations Genocide Convention in 1948 and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948, as well as the Geneva Convention on the Laws and Customs of War in 1949. In addition, the International Military Tribunal supplied a useful precedent for the trials of Japanese war criminals in Tokyo from 1946 to 1948. The 1961 trial of Nazi leader Adolf Eichmann and the establishment of tribunals for war criminals committed in the former Yugoslavia in 1993 and in Rwanda in 1994. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.